Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good Tuesday morning. Asia Pacific stocks are trending higher this morning, setting aside tech losses in the US overnight. Seoul is up about 0.4%. Sydney up about the same. Tokyo is trading marginally higher. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How are you doing? Good morning, Ryan Huang. Happy Tuesday, Michelle. I thought there'd be less people on the road today. You know, they'd extend the holiday. Not so much. I'm sure some people took the chance for a long weekend and maybe some people going back to work with Tuesday blues. (laughs) So you've got, I think, some people still trying to get back into the groove of things today. Have you got Tuesday blues? I do. Slightly. (laughs) Slowly getting over it. All right, let's start with something that is always good for a headline. I'm talking about Elon Musk. The world's richest man is certainly outspoken. However, his comments can cost people and companies money if they're not careful. The fact was evident over at the long weekend as Musk challenged Twitter, the social media giant that he is purportedly buying, and said that the deal is temporarily on hold. We're going to get to the stock market losses in a moment, but Ryan, tell us what is this latest feud between Musk and Twitter all about? Yeah, so it's all around user numbers. What is the real number? Because you have this debate going on about the number of bots that are just prevalent on Twitter. You know, you've got probably some replies at some stage of your Twitter journey from people who've been trying to spam you with advertisements or trying to make you sign up for various services that you don't need or just hate speech bots. So you've got all these various bots just trolling around the Twitterverse. And the issue here is what Elon Musk is trying to say, hey, I don't pay too much money for so many bots. So they have been trying to pin down the number or percentage of bots. And according to Elon Musk and at least some independent observers or estimates, the current estimate is around 20%. That's the highest number I've seen. But according to Twitter, they are saying it's under 5%. So you've got this back and forth going on between them as they try to iron out, or at least the terms of the deal for that takeover bit by Elon Musk. Yeah, Musk getting poetic, saying the number of bots is as unknowable as the human soul. Nice Mm. line. Uh, Twitter CEO Parag Argawal is disputing Musk's claim, poetic or not. He says the company manually checks thousands of accounts every quarter to determine how many should be counted as spam. But Argawal says the process must be conducted internally because of privacy concerns. How would Musk prefer to go about this instead, Ryan? Okay, so this is something uh, interesting to look at. Uh, He's been talking about trying to verify all these um, users by reaching out to them and seeing if they respond. And I think this is something you have to expand a bit more, Michelle, because I am having trouble opening up my computer right now. Oh my gosh. Okay, so... Elon Musk saying that there is the estimation process needs to be fine-tuned a little bit and that before he buys more shares, he would like to see greater fine-tuning in the process. All right. Are you okay with your computer? I think my computer has a case of Tuesday's blues. <laughs> oh my gosh. The downturn in tech stocks, uh, as well as Musk comments, have wiped out all the gains that Twitter shares, by the way, have made since Musk first disclosed his stake in the company. And overnight, Twitter dropped another 8%. It is down more than 20% over the five, past five trading sessions, currently trading at $37.43. So moving away from the whole how should we count the bots debate, 
Is it possible, do you think, that Musk's goal is really to put pressure on Twitter to renegotiate that purchase price? So many people have been saying it's too high. So is Musk really just trying to get a lower price now that the markets have tumbled? I think that is a very consideration when you look at how Twitter's share price has been dropping since he made the takeover public. You know, the price of Twitter now, if you look at the bid, it was at $44 billion. Right now, it's now worth $13 billion less than what it was agreed upon. So you've got this gap in what he was offering and what the current value is right now. And it will be quite a premium for him to pay. When you look at the share price right now, 5420 that he's offering, and it's now just under 40. He would, of course, try to wrangle a better deal by stalling as much as he can, throwing up uncertainties around the numbers being put forth by Twitter, arguing on every point to try to bring down whatever he can. So a bit of a bargaining play here, I think, is what's happening because if you look at the deal terms, there is a date locked in. That is October 24th. And that is either yes or no. You can't really budge on the term deals right now. It's pretty much working towards that date. It's something they have to figure out if they want to do it or not. So you can't really pause on a deal or try to wrangle or bargain right now. The downturn in tech stocks really wiped out all the gains. Just incredible. And by the way, there's this back and forth between the CEO of Twitter and Musk over, you know, how you calculate the number of bots and Musk at one point re- responded with a poop emoji. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So when we first reported on Musk's 44 billion US dollar acquisition of Twitter, we noted that there is a 1 billion US dollar termination fee. If either party walks away from the deal, they would have to pay the other 1 billion dollars. However, if Musk does indeed change his plans, it is quite possible that he will owe the social media giant significantly more than that. So he can sling all the poop that he wants, but he might be in for a bit of a costly exercise. Now, why is he likely to pay more than $1 billion? Yeah, you've got this um, playing out because of that deal term. If either party walks away from the deal, they have to pay $1 billion. So this is right now just against the odds for Elon Musk if you look at the current debate right now. And this is where he is trying to race against time, the October 24th deadline. He's been saying, no, I want to pause the deal, but there's no such thing as a pause button in this current agreement right now. So it's quite binary. They have to either say yes or no. So if he doesn't, he has to pay up $1 billion. And on top of that, also has to settle all the financing agreements he's been laying out with all his banks, his investors. And part of it, is tied to his Tesla shares. The uh. margins he has possibly to pay because of the drop as well in his Tesla share prices. It's been pledged as collateral. So if that continues to drop even more with all the negativity and the pressure in the markets, he possibly has to pay more to just beef up or support the end of the financing ar- arrangement. So that's one other aspect he has to worry about on top of the breakup fee. Musk, by the way, says he plans to do his own analysis of Twitter's user base. He wants to use a random sample of 100 user accounts over the weekend to do that. And one more piece of Elon Musk news before I will move on, I promise you. This is from his main business, Tesla. Tesla car owners use their mobile phones or a key fob to open their cars. And this system has been secure until now. A hacker has discovered a way to bypass the system to unlock and steal 
a Tesla car. This can't be right. <laughs> I guess with technology, anything is possible. Including hacks, and this is how、um, you've got this feature by Tesla and many other car makers, where you can use your phone to unlock various things, including your car. And one hacker apparently has found a way to redirect a car owner's mobile phone or key for what you typically bring around to fool the entry system that you're actually near the vehicle. So that is something. No, you don't actually need the physical key. Somebody can just hack a phone or use another phone as a proxy into Tesla's keyless entry system. No evidence that this technique has actually been used yet, but it must be disconcerting to Tesla owners all the same. Tesla shares fell nearly six percent overnight. They are down more than thirty percent since the beginning of the year. Okay, we're going to zoom out now. Take a look at broader markets and the global economy. The Nasdaq fell more than one percent overnight. The S and P five hundred finished in the red as well. Analysts and, and investors are becoming increasingly concerned that the U.S. Federal Reserve will not be able to engineer a so-called soft landing. They're worried that rising interest rates will push the U.S. economy into a recession. More than that, they're starting to talk about the risk of stagflation as well. Former U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Ben Bernanke is the latest high-profile figure to mention the term stagflation, which, by the way, has not affected the U.S. economy in more than 40 years. We've done this before, Ryan, but give us a quick primer: what is stagflation, and why are economists like Bernanke worried about it? Yeah, when you have stagflation, typically means you have high inflation and not enough growth. I think we've seen that play out in many stages in history. I think the Japanese occupation was one period where we saw that happen. There's high inflation but not enough growth. Typically, when you have prices going up, it's a reflection of how wages are going up. People are able to pay more, and then you see prices go up alongside growth. But with the current backdrop right now, we have the Possible risk of inflation, and we've seen that being pushed up higher with energy prices, food costs, but not enough growth catching up. At the same time, you've got central banks trying to normalize policy by tightening monetary policy, raising rates, and that can have an impact on borrowing costs, the amount people pay back for their mortgages, and just be a bit of a drag when it comes to driving economic growth. So you've got that playing out as a potential. Hiccup or speed bump towards stronger growth globally, and that's why you've got a lot of ideas or talk right now about a slowdown when you have high inflation and even a possibility of a recession. So that's the. Current、um, backdrop right now. Indeed, but if we are indeed going to experience a prolonged period of rising prices and economic contraction, where can investors shelter? What are some possible investment strategies? Yeah, we've got a couple of things to think about, and the go-to place could be inflation-linked bonds, and this, of course, will be packed to the pace of inflation. And here's another interesting one to look at: how we've been seeing. Commodity prices go up. Wheat is actually latest one making the headlines with India banning exports, and we've seen how Ukraine and Russia already are taken out of the equation when it comes to wheat supply.、Mm. Now, India, another big player, is just cutting supply into the exports to help keep supplies to themselves to bring down costs for themselves. So that's something. If you look at how commodity prices are rising, you want or want to really consider. Commodity plays here, and this is where Australia and Canada may be places to look at more closely because they are huge players in things like coal, in things you need for、uh, raw materials for many things. So anything that could be a play 
for commodity markets, especially Australia, Canada, and their currencies could be worth looking at. Also looking at moving away from growth names towards value names as we see rate hikes coming through in the next few quarters. That's what being priced in in the markets these days as we see tech names under pressure. Also worth looking at betting against the Bank of Japan. We've seen the Japanese yen against the dollar now pushing 20-year lows. And that is expected to remain around those levels as you see a bit of a divergence between the Federal Reserve and the Bank of Japan. Of course, the Bank of Japan seeing a lot of weakness in the yen recently, especially in the past few months as they prefer to keep their policy settings status quo, whereas the Bank of whereas the FOMC has been trying to push up rates. So that has been weakening or at least expanding the gap between both currencies. All right. So now that we know about stagflation havens, let's shift to China now, where economic activity has been plunging under the country's COVID zero policy. One indication of this, not a single car was sold in Shanghai last month. Not one. Tell us more, Ryan. Yeah, this, I guess, was pretty much coming when you look at how economic activity would be hit by the COVID-19 lockdowns. We had a round of data yesterday coming through from China, and this included industrial production numbers. We can expect it down 2.9% in April. Retail sales were down 11.1%, weaker than the projected 6.6%. Unemployment, that rate climbed to 6.1%, and youth jobless rate numbers hit a record. And on top of that, you have the car sales that you pointed out. Not a single car was sold in Shanghai. Uh, Of course, we've seen Shanghai under lockdown. And this is all part of a wider trend in terms of car sales in China. They fell the most in two years in April, down almost 36%. So not great news and partly just because of consumer sentiment in China being weak and of course the troubles in the car industry Mm. uh, where you've got supply chain issues. So that is the pressure on the Chinese economy right now. Many analysts were expecting China's central bank to lower interest rates to give the Chinese economy more of a boost, but that didn't happen yesterday. The PBOC kept rates steady at 2.85%. Now, another indication of China's recent struggles can be found when we look at its tech companies. Two high flyers, maybe I should say former high flyers, Tencent and Alibaba report their earnings tomorrow. Now, Bloomberg writes that after the Recent market sell-off, the two companies look more like utilities than growth companies. Can you walk us through this? Yeah, so you've got results coming out and they will be closely scrutinized. And just to look at those numbers coming out, we are expecting Tencent forecast to show growth of 4.3% for revenue. Alibaba projected at 7.1% growth for revenue. And those will be record lows and below the average growth rate by 10 of the largest utilities. In Right now, we are tracking 8.6% average growth. So 4.3, 7.1, below 8.6%. Not a great look for a growth name, which is supposed to show growth. So it just shows how much it has fallen in terms of the tech space when it comes to the clamp down, the pullback in purse strings by consumers. So that could be one to watch as a, another driver for tech stocks to the downside. Indeed. Time for more corporate news. It's up or down time. Play along with us. Ryan, are you ready? 
Let's go. Let's kick things off with Saudi Aramco. All right, I like this one. It's an up. Saudi Aramco is just reeking, ripping in the profits from yeah. higher oil prices. Mm, way up. The oil giant posted an 80% increase in profits over the weekend. Aramco netted nearly 40 billion US dollars in the first quarter of the year thanks to rising energy prices. All right, let's look at McDonald's. Mm, that's going to be a down for me. So they are quitting Russia after... 30 years in the country. So they previously suspended operations, but now they have decided it's time to permanently pull out. So Ooh. it's going to be, I guess, quite a tough time for 62,000 people they employ in the country. Wow. And quite a bit of, um, I guess, a milestone in the, in the sense that you might see more corporates starting to think twice. Those who had suspended may be now thinking about also following the footsteps of McDonald's. Yeah, so if McDonald's is up or down, it's really a matter of perspective because, as you heard, McDonald's has announced it is permanently pulling out of Russia and that move could cost it as much as 1.4 billion US dollars. So we're going to watch out next time the company reports its earnings because while politically this could be an up, from the perspective of the company, it is likely a down. Let's look at Forrest Lee. All right, Forrest Lee is going to be a down for me. And it's all around how tech stocks have been going through a bit of a slump. And he has lost $25 billion in the latest tech wipeout. And if you look at C shares, year to date, they are down nearly 70%. So their earnings coming out in the next 24 hours will be something to look at very closely. Yeah, definitely down. Remember, Forrest Lee was the richest person in Singapore just a couple of months ago. But he's now lost 80% of his fortune. Don't worry, he's still a billionaire though. Next, let's look at Dr. Strange. Alright, Dr. Strange is an up for me. So they are still holding strong at the box office, at least in the US. For a second week, they are number one. Yeah. Even though ticket sales may be off from its very first weekend, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was still the number one movie at the U.S. box office last weekend. Internationally, it grossed another 83 million U.S. dollars. I haven't watched it yet, have you? I've seen mixed reviews about it, so I'm going to take my time to get around watching oh, it. Oh, I was a huge fan of the first one. So, let's see. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 24 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index broke a week-plus losing streak on Friday. Close up for the first time in May. It rose 0.8% to 31.91. City Developments was the top performer, rising nearly 7%. So, how's the STI trading this morning, Ryan? Yeah, it's... A pretty subdued start for the region off the back of a choppy session on Wall Street. And right now, if you look at SCI, it is up 0.6% at 3,211. So a rather good start with most names in the green, only two in the red. And they are Singtel, lower by 0.7%. And Capital DC REIT, lower by 0.5%. At the top of the table, we've got UOL, higher by 2.4%, and Judging Matheson, up by 2%, followed by Sankop Industries, Melbourne Commercial Trust, and Capocop. So that's an encouraging picture of the long weekend for Singapore markets right now. Indeed. All right, have a great rest of the day, Ryan. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.